everyone. I'm Rachel Poli here with Ari Meglin, and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer Podcast. We're on episode 110, and this week's question is, what are you some tips for writing craft books? But before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show. And if you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, write a review, and share it with some friends. Please help us welcome author Sasha Black to the show. Sasha, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you. Would you like to tell us a bit about your writing background, like how long you've been writing, when you started, anything like that? Yeah, so um, I was a very nerdy kid and like read everything I could possibly get my hands on. Um, my mum actually had to swap library because um, we lived sort of in the countryside. And so it was so remote that for a while, um, <clears throat> the only access I had was to a mobile library that are like in these caravan thingies. Um, and so I read everything in the kids section, literally everything. And then my mum was like, well, you know, you have to read the young adult section. So I read everything in that as well. And then um, we had a very, very small local library. And then I read everything at that and um so we ended up going to like the next town I had my mum like would cycle us to the next town and um anyway so then um I what did I do well I I almost did creative writing at uni but my mum very sensibly said you know look go and get a degree that has a career so I sort of meandered off down this uh, psychology background and Then when I left, I was sort of in a different position and decided to kind of get a more corporate uh, role because, you know, get a proper job. Um, And within six months, I was borderline clinically depressed. I really, really struggled. And I turned to wine and ranting on a blog, um, which I think is where I met Rachel, actually. (laughs) Um, And so I just started ranting on this blog and um, very quickly realized that I really thoroughly enjoyed the writing aspect of it and the blog had a couple of iterations I had some fertility issues and then I kind of fell into like flash fiction and NaNoWriMo or NaNoWriMo I don't know how everybody pronounces it differently and remembered that I had always had a notebook when I was a kid I had always written stories I found the joy of reading again because when you go to university, you, I mean, for me, I was reading, I was just consuming academic literature and um, I just didn't have time to read anything other than 50,000, you know, articles or whatever. And um, so, yeah, I kind of fell into writing and then I did a NaNoWriMo, a NaNoWriMo, NaNoWriMo, I never, now I'm forgetting how I even say it. Anyway, I did a NaNo and um, I won that one. And I have never, ever looked back. Like that was the first iteration of what would be the first book in my young adult fantasy series. I ended up scrapping it, writing it from scratch, scrapping that one, and then writing a third iteration completely from scratch. And that third one was the one that got published. Um, But the the way that I really came to craft is uh, that I, um, the only way I remember stuff is if I write it down. And I was already in the habit of blogging. So when I learned, things about writing or craft lessons I just started sharing them I just started putting them on the blog mostly for selfish reasons because I needed I needed the action of writing the lesson down in order to remember it but then other people found it helpful and you know (laughs) 
I like I like helping other people and it's nice to be appreciated. So um, a few things went viral, well, not viral, but like I had hundreds of thousands of hits in a very short space of time. And I was like, oh, OK, there might be a market for this stuff. Um, and that I never looked back after that. That is. Yeah, I collated a few of the blogs and they became villain, the villain's book. Which I find absolutely amazing. I didn't realize that you went through that journey to start writing your craft books because we did write, uh, we did meet on our blogs years ago. I don't even remember, but I've always looked at your blog as a reference and even just try like certain like research points before I even go to Google. Sometimes I'm like, maybe Sasha's written about this on her blog. And I go to your website first and I check that. And then I'm like, ah, no, okay. Back to Google. But I think that's amazing that you, you wanted to help so many people. Like you did it for yourself at first, which I feel like that's how anybody should start off writing. You should do it for yourself. And then when you realize that you're helping so many people, you can just kind of compile it and be like, this is what I do. Here you go. Have at it. But I do want to say Ari and I were talking the other day and I was like, yeah, she, she came out with her writing craft book first, and then she came out with keepers. And I was like, are you sure about that? So we were like stalking you on Amazon. And I don't know why I had it in my head. I know you, you published both books in the same year, which is another amazing feat, by the way. But I don't know why I had it in my head that you did Keepers after your villain's book. Yeah, I did. Um, and it was you know, I got I got a lot of flack for that, to be honest with you, because obviously people are like, well, who are you to publish a, a craft book before you've published a, a fiction book? But this was the thing. I never, ever claimed to be an expert at anything. Right. The only thing I have ever done is share the things that I personally have learned. That's it. Right. Any nonfiction book that I write is a collation of everything that I have learned on that topic. Um, you know, and maybe one day I will, you know, and th this is a funny thing, right? So since I published that villains book, I have learned so much more about villains, but that is the basis of creating a good villain. And I definitely think that I will publish a second edition because um, I recently taught a masterclass on the villains journey. So we, we people often talk about the hero's journey and then we recently because of Gail Carragher there's been a lot of talk around the heroine's journey which is a fantastic book I highly recommend you read it um but that got me thinking nobody talks about the villain's journey and villains being protagonists is quite a popular uh, trope at the moment so I then started breaking down um lots of films books tv um where the villain is the protagonist and um yeah I have pulled out some patterns and things that go to endearing the reader to what is essentially an unlikable character so I am toying with either creating a slightly different version um maybe something more on un unlikable characters or whether I should just do a second edition the thing stopping me is that I've done the audiobook and I really don't want to have to like edit the audiobook so it would just be a bloody nightmare um but yeah so yeah, I did technically publish my nonfiction book first. And, you know, it is what it is. Like, just because I published it before fiction doesn't mean it's not um, any more, any less valid. It's it's no less valid than if I published it afterwards. Well, that's it. I mean, thinking about the fact that you had a blog and you were already putting those resources out there for people. And, I mean, Rachel and I both have blogs and we put our 
experiences of whenever we've come up with something or we've figured something out and we'll put our tutorials on saying like this is what we figured out this is how we've done it and as you said no one's claiming to be an expert but you still get people even published people coming on going oh wow i didn't think of that that's really helpful so it stands on its own merit whether it's you know the first book you publish or the 12th book you've published or whether you only publish craft books or whether you publish fiction books first and everything so it's almost yeah. as if maybe people didn't like the fact that you had they had to pay because they liked all the free resources on your blog and then it was like you know you, you collated it into a book form and it's like oh, i wanted it free kind of thing <laughs> yeah possibly i mean the book does go much deeper than the blog ever than the blog ever went but you know i think one of the things that i try to put at the beginning of all of my craft books is that like you might not like this and that's okay and you don't have to take this advice right and that is the point of creating a genre um you know you can have loads of different opinions on dieting or i don't know <laughs> frog growth or you know or whatever you can you can have like multiple voices on one particular topic and they all will bring a different angle and a different thing and often you know you see lots of books on plot and structure often they're all really saying the same thing just slightly different worded but you will find that you mesh better with one author's voice than another and and that's 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 what you need really when you're when you're trying to learn craft Right. I mean, I think I say this in almost every podcast episode, like you can't please everybody. Everybody has their own opinion and their own ways of doing things. And, you know, we can give our own opinion as much as we want and say, you know, this is what works for me. Maybe it'll work for you. And if people like it, great. If not, well, then they don't have to listen to it or do it or any of that. Yeah. And I am intentionally antagonistic. So I write, I swear, prolifically. I am sarcastic. I use um, genitalia jokes and, you know, I, I intentionally, you know, am quite antagonistic because I like to be fun and sarky and sweary and not everybody likes that. And I am really okay. If you don't like that, just don't read my books. Oh, right. Yeah. Your, your books are heavy on that, which they, which is hilarious to be honest. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still laughing at the genitalia joke. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure if I was allowed to swear, you see, so I thought, well, I better, better use a polite word. <laughs> we, we do have swearing, and when we put our video, our podcast on YouTube, we always take it as, like, not child-friendly because I'm usually swearing. I probably don't swear as, as much as you do, but we're, we are fine with swearing. So. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Dick jokes, then, was what I really wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I think it's like genitalia jokes. Actually, like genitalia can sometimes sound more like some people get like oh, the word genitalia rather than like you said dick joke. And I'm just dragging it out now. So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna let you move on to the question, Rachel. I'm gonna stop talking. I gotta say I haven't heard anybody use that word in a really long time. So I gotta be bold, like totally honest. When you first said that, I was like, what the heck is a genitalia? <laughs> it took me a second. <laughs> All right. On that note, I'm just going to go right into it. And uh, speaking of Sasha's craft books, I'm going to just dive right in and say, how do you pick the? Well, actually, you kind of already answered that, but you, you have more than one craft book. You have the one about villains, you have the one about heroes, and you have the anatomy of prose. So how do you pick the topic for each writing craft book? 
Yeah, so I also have one on side characters um, and I'm working on another one right now and I have two more that I am kind of inputting for and researching for. So, I mean, the, the first one on villains came about because um, I was just ranting and I literally, I was ranting on my blog about how I couldn't find any decent representations of female villains in um, literature and film. And it isn't that there aren't any, it's just that I personally hadn't found any after trying at that point in time. And the reason I chose, the reason I decided to collate that into a book is because, like I said, I had hundreds of thousands of hits on that particular um, set of blog posts. So I was like, oh, okay, there's a market. And then I basically went to Amazon and Barnes and Noble and various different bookstores. And I started looking online for books, specifically craft books on that topic. And I found one other there is I think two others since um but at the time there was only one and so I was like oh okay there is definitely space for this content in the market um and and so that was the reason and justification for doing that since then though I, I do think the reasons have changed so like the second book heroes was literally because I was like okay I've done one on villains I should do one on heroes right like that was the logic behind it um and I don't think that was necessarily the right choice of the four nonfiction books that actually sells the least well. And I think it's because um, I probably didn't angle it right um, in terms of everybody works with their protagonist, right? So that is the character that they develop. And, and really, I, if I could go back, I would probably do a more holistic look at character creation. Um, but I didn't, I looked specifically at heroes. And so interestingly, one of my favorite uh, chapters I've written is in that book um, and it was looking at the hero lens and that kind of spurred me looking at other things and so the third book which is the anatomy of prose um, came out of <laughs> a lot lots of these books seem to come out of rants but um, I was uh, I trained as a developmental editor and so I was doing I had lots of clients and I was developmental editing for a few years and um, I got fed up of saying the same things and what I would notice in a lot of newer writers is that they were making all making the same mistakes. And so rather than like retyping explanations, I just created a folder where I'd be like, and this is filtering and this is an unanchored scene. And this is this, and this is that. And, and then I was like, damn, like I've got a few thousand words in here. Um, and so all of a sudden I was like, actually, you know, like this would probably make a really good book. Um, and that, that was then how that came about. So, the last one on side characters was because I polled my audience and um, I sort of asked in Facebook and, and on the podcast and in my newsletter. And I was like, look, what like, what do you guys want? And they all said side characters. You know, I'd done heroes, I'd done villains. I might as well do side characters. Um, but the interesting thing for me is that I don't like to write a nonfiction book unless I have something to say about that topic so I like an angle or a hook something that I'm saying that other people aren't saying or a slightly different angle or way of looking at it and so um I it took me a little bit of just working on the book before I could get that angle and then I was really happy to do that and then this last book that well not last but the one that I'm working on now um is called the anatomy of writing x steps to read like a writer and teach yourself craft um and that has come from partly I think the popularity of the anatomy of prose partly because some of my patrons said um look 
we all know that you deconstruct the books and that's how you've taught yourself craft. How on earth do you do that? And so I'm now teaching a set of masterclasses at once every three months um, with my patrons where we collectively pick a book, we all read it at the same time, and then I deconstruct it. And I will teach for one to three hours um, on all of the tools and techniques that that author has used in that book to create good things or, or the bad things that they've done and not done well. And then if that's the case, then I will show examples of how to do it well. And so, um, you know, I'm trying to enable other writers to enable themselves to teach themselves craft. Um, and so that's where that book has come from. Um, yeah. And then there are other times where like, there's just a topic that I want to write about. So, um, I, a lot of my audience are asking for a book or a course on description at the moment. So I'm, I'm kind of looking at how I can deliver that, but I want to write about voice. That's the thing that I want to work on next. So after I finished the anatomy of writing, I will be probably working on a book on voice. I have to say, when I saw your villain book, that in fact, that's still the, the first villain book I've ever seen. So I can totally understand why you picked that. Because, I mean, yeah, seriously, I, I don't think I've ever seen of all the books, because all it does is you go online, you find some books on craft, and then obviously you get the whole recommended, recommended, and you can find a million and you can fall down the rabbit hole. And I have never come across another villain book of yours. And if I've ever mentioned, we talk about villains, your book is the one that comes up. Nobody else's. Everyone's always like, oh, yeah, I've seen this book. And it's got purple. Even if they don't remember who wrote it, it's got purple writing and this like devil's tail. It's like, yeah, that's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Never heard of any others. I mean, you can see so many books on plots, on, um, excuse me, on characters, on description, on anything. Um, but yeah, villains is definitely, it's always the one that sticks out. I can understand why you did that first. Well, yeah, and I really, I like to pick topics that people aren't necessarily writing on. So like the suggestion has been, oh, I'd like to see you talk about story. And I'm like, I could talk about story, but there are lots of books on story. And in one way that would probably generate sales faster because there's lots of people searching for that kind of content. But in another way, I like to plug holes in, in the market where there aren't books, which is exactly why I'm doing um, how to teach yourself craft in terms of like reading, because the predominant part of the book is about deconstructing literature and what you read, but it's also about the market and genre and how to know what it is that makes your genre and how to know like what it is that you should be putting in in order to satisfy readers. So like, and there is nothing else on the market on that. There are, there are I think I have found four books that are painfully academic on how to read like a writer there are there's one called literally called there's two I think called how to read like a writer and they are so academic and so dry um that like I'd be amazed if anyone gets through <laughs> them so yeah I uh uh yeah I don't know anyway so yeah that's how I do it a mix a mishmash well that's what I love about your books is that you you mm. don't teach it academically as you say like when you're reading the book it's almost like you and I are sitting in the same room and you're like you're like we have I have a notebook in front of me and you're like teaching me like one-on-one -on -one and but it's more like a conversation so that's what I really love about your style of writing your craft books um and also I I really like how you you said you're plugging in the holes like you're really thinking outside of the box and you're saying what do writers need this is what they need do they know that they need it probably not but once it's out there, they'll realize that they need it. And I think that's fabulous. 
because it's it's true like i've i've read um i've read your craft books and as i go through them i'm like there's so many things that i didn't think of um there are so many books about characters but the fact that nobody has zeroed in on villains or zeroed in just on the hero or just the side characters, it's usually all clumped together in one book. And it's like character development as a whole, but it's really hard for people to kind of pinpoint what they need to learn with their own writing. We shall move on to the next question. Um, yeah, so let's move on. Do you outline your craft books before you start? So I can understand you have like a basic idea of where you're going, but do you have it plotted out so you know which sections you're going to do? Or is it a little bit more pantsy? No. Um, the structure is the hardest bit of any nonfiction book to get right, because you have to go from here is the basic, most basic foundation of whatever you need to learn. And then we're going to increment up and then we're going to increment up and then we're going to increment up. And so and the other part of nonfiction is that you have to tell a story still. There has to be some kind of journey that you are leading people onto, like to the, the climax or conclusion of your of your book. And so I find that very hard to know before I've written the book. Um, I definitely go in with an idea of some of the things that I want to say. So like um, in, in this, uh, The Anatomy of Writing, How to Read Like a Writer and Teach Yourself Craft, um, I... I know that I want to talk about mimicry. I know that I want to talk about genre. I know that I want to talk about um, how to know what to underline in a book. I know that I want to talk about, um, you know, how to deconstruct whatever it is that you've underlined. Um, and so like, I will know that there are certain points that I want to hit, but it's a bit of an evolving journey. So I, my process is to input, 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 which has been difficult for this because there are only four books on the market. Usually I will consume books like I'm a whale reader I will I read well over 100 books a year like I I I will consume a lot of books on a topic there are only four and they're really hard to read so this is a little bit different this process I'm having to do more thinking so normally I will input that I will process it I will think on it and then as I'm reading like if I underline things or if I find things that are useful I often like lift that out of the book and put it into um like a Scrivener file under the topic. So like I'll have a Scrivener file document that will say mimicry. I'll have one that will say genre. I'll have one that will say deconstruction. And then like, if I find useful quotes, I'm like militant about lifting that quote, putting the page I got it from, the book I got it from, like, so that I know exactly who said it, what in what document or what website or what book they've said it. Because obviously I'm acutely, you know, paranoid about not plagiarizing anybody and attributing quotes under fair use and all of the rest of that stuff or contacting people for an additional quote you know um so and I will do that and then I will kind of look at all of the content and then I'll be like okay so what is the point in this section or what is what is um what is it I'm trying to say what are we learning in this section and then for me it's very much about the process like how do we do this thing how do we how do we get side characters to look as if they are full of depth without actually having the page time and so I will then you know deconstruct um whatever it is that I've learned and and then piece back together like a puzzle the um tool or process or, or mechanism for creating that effect in the story um and and so I don't 
so the the structure and the outline kind of comes as I am doing that because I will jump all over the place because I make connections so like something that might start in one chapter I'll be like actually no I thought that this, that's what this was about but really it's about this or actually those two would fit better together one after the other because this is how we layer or whatever so um I find it very hard to I can do a skeleton and I can be like, I know I want to hit this, this and this, but more than that, I don't know what I'm saying until I say it and I start doing and I start like literally like molding and shaping and kneading the book by writing words and doing that thinking. Yeah, I don't know. Like I definitely don't necessarily outline in that way, but there is there is some kind of skeleton like a spine in the book I know what the spine is kinda but, th but then again it depends so like sometimes I will get halfway through a non-fiction book and I'll be like you know I just don't have enough on this particular topic and so I have to pause writing and go and do more input I have to go and do more research or I have to go and think and so oh, that was what I was going to say so the interesting bit about this particular book is because there aren't loads of um resources um already out there on this topic I'm having to figure it out as I go. And so that is why doing these masterclasses and literally deconstructing books with a group of people is enabling me to then develop the content or at least like figure out, okay, ah, this is how I do it. And therefore I can then replicate that as a tool or resource for other people. Yeah. And so this, this book is a little strange in terms of how I've created it. So you basically need to like revamp your entire thought process for this one particular book, pretty much. Kind of. <laughs> I think I think what I am doing is making conscious a process that I do subconsciously. So when I read a book, mm -hmm. I will. So essentially how to read like a writer. When I read, I read with sticky tabs and a pencil and I will, and I know it's sacrilege, but I will underline things in pencil in a book and I will write notes in the margin. And like, I can be like, oh, that's foreshadowing. Now I know that this is going to happen at the end of the book or, oh, I think this is foreshadowing, but it could be a red herring or, oh, look, this is an amazing piece of dialogue. How, what was the setup for this joke? Or, oh, look, how, look at the way she's used punctuation um, to create this um, intense visceral feeling or, oh, that metaphor is amazing. What has she done? Oh, well, she's used subversion to create that um, feeling or that visual imagery or whatever. So like, and I, but I do that as I go. And a lot of people can't do that. They have to read the book and then go back and do that um and so and, and neither one way is right, right or wrong you can do it first or as you go or you can do it afterwards but essentially I'm yeah I'm having to and like I say I'm only aware that I'm doing these things because other people have said oh how do you do that and I'm like oh, I don't know I just do it and so now I'm teaching like these classes with other people and their questions are helping me to slow down and go oh okay this is what they want to know or they you know they want to know this or they want to know that so yeah like it's it is it has been fascinating actually I have to say I think what caught me was the fact that you said you read over 100 books a year <laughs> and you don't just read them you're making notes which obviously slows down the reading and obviously you're also writing books and researching books and you run podcasts and you have a family so you've got like looking after your son 
where are you finding all this time? Are you like one of these people that wakes up at three in the morning and then goes to bed at <laughs> one in the morning? Because I am feeling so called out about not being able to do half of that stuff. I mean, I haven't even read, I think it was 20 books I read last year. And you're like, oh, I've read a hundred and I've made notes. And I am. So the wow. interesting thing. So, okay. So I don't, I don't write notes on every single book. Like if I, so, I mean, I would probably, I probably write notes on about 60% of them. It's unusual for me to get through a book with nothing, with no notes written on there. But like, if I'm reading just for the enjoyment, I might, I might choose not to do anything in that, but like, and, but then like, if I'm like, Oh, that's an amazing bit of description. I can't help myself. I just have to make a little note. Um, I only sleep about six or seven hours, which is more than what some people sleep. Uh, but also I don't watch TV really, to be honest with you, I very rarely do. Or if I do, I, I binge watch between projects. So like, I'll just not read for a week and then I will, but you know, I, I have a kid and so we're stuck in the house every evening and you know so I read for like three hours a night or whatever so you can when you when you block off that amount of time for reading you do get through I'm not a fast reader I am not a fast reader but um, I just read a lot like I never go anywhere without a book and if you don't watch tv you know most people sit down and watch tv for four hours a night I don't do that so that is pretty much where I get the 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 amount of the books from and also, just to say, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that, by the way, um, because some people will get a lot of energy pennies from like watching story or like deconstructing film and like watching film. And that's OK, too. It just depends. Like what I I did a test and I found that I was drained after like a month of we binge watched Scandal, which is like seven seasons. And I loved it. And it was amazing. But I was so bereft and deprived of creative energy pennies afterwards that I was like I cannot do that I reading is where I get my energy from and and so I have to I I have to read I have to read have to <laughs> I love the term energy pennies I love that that is such a clever way and yeah you're totally right certain things do sort of deplete you Mm. but some people find that reading depletes them and they much prefer visual story and that's okay mm. too like it doesn't matter as long as you are getting that creative energy from somewhere right because I will say like after I read for x amount of time it starts like lulling me into a sleep it doesn't matter how great the story is I just get tired after a little while so um for me yeah like I binge watch my favorite shows over and over and over again and that's where I get my energy pennies my um, wife is the same my wife yeah. is the same she likes documentaries so I get it yeah no I mean I'll have it on in the background while I work during the day um oh my god yeah I could not do that I would not get anything done <laughs> so, like it's okay. funny because if I sit next to my wife in the evening I have to have headphones in because I can't it, I will just read the words that I'm hearing on the tv oh yeah no that i that I get. Um, but I usually like binge watch psych, which I've seen a million times. So like there's, there are some days where I do find myself like getting sucked into it and I have to shut it off. But for the most part, I can just have it on in the background. Cause I pretty much know it by heart already at this point. So I just kind of tune it out after a little bit. So do you listen to music at all? Usually without lyrics. Yeah. So I love like oh, yeah. Ludovico and Audi. Um, I also quite like, um, like film game and tv soundtracks because mm. even though they might have lyrics they're predominantly like like lyricless or the lyrics are not the point 
of the music, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, so I, I do, but I'm often in silence. It depends yeah. if I'm writing. Interestingly, interestingly, if I'm writing craft or, or fiction, I'm more likely to be listening to music than I am when I'm doing admin or marketing, which is weird. I thought it would be the other way around, but literally just sitting here, I've realized it's not. <laughs> the same thing though I I need music that doesn't have any lyrics to it or I have like the video game soundtracks or the movie soundtracks or something like that so that's totally understandable so with all of that said what are some obstacles that you come across writing your nonfiction as opposed to writing fiction um that's a good question I think I think it will depend on who is writing and what what their process is. I think the hardest thing, as I said earlier, is the structure because you need to take people on a journey from foundations to like highest level of complexity um, in terms of like the lesson or um, like the point of whatever it is that you're trying to say or the the, the yeah the theory in the book. And then I think the other one for me, um, and, and that's, the, so the interesting thing about that, and I suppose that is, in a weird way, that's the same as fiction because you do sometimes move chapters or you change arcs and things, but it's like the motivation behind it is different for me. It, it Rather than it being a character arc, it's about making sure that the flow of information is correct in the book. Um, and that is a thing that I can only feel as I go, like, and things will chop and change. And, and so like with the title, I can never say how many steps the book's going to be until I know how many steps the book's going to be because I have to have written it all. And even like um, with the anatomy of prose, that was chopping and changing and chopping and changing and chopping and changing right up until the very last minute. And the same with side characters. Um, when I commissioned the cover, it was 11 steps to side characters. And then by the time I finished the book, it was eight. <laughs> so, like, it's, and so I had to get them to change all that. And so, and it's funny enough, because I print, um, I, I use it for motivation, but I print the covers onto like acrylic perspex and I put them on my office wall whilst I'm writing the book. And, um, so that one on the on my wall still says 11 steps um, and it will probably always say 11 steps because I'm not going to reprint it. But um, yeah, so that's one thing that I do struggle with because it's not something I can do in advance. I have to just figure that out as I go. And then I think the other thing is input. So for me, like I really need to know that I have a wealth of information that I can draw on. Um, and that's probably not the case for everybody. It just depends like. I don't know what your strengths are or how your brain works. But for me, I like to have consumed a lot of information, a lot of blogs, a lot of podcasts, a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of books on a topic before I am comfortable sharing what I've learned. Because in doing that and in analyzing that information, that is how I come to the angle that I am on. And then sometimes I like the blockage will happen or the obstacle will happen where I stumble across and something where I don't have enough information. And so then the writing grinds to a halt. Um, and then I have to stop and like do all, all of that research or, or go down a rabbit hole. And I think the only other thing that's not necessarily like a blockage, but mindset wise it can be tricky is that because I write in such a marmite way people have opinions on how I write and like they have opinions on my voice so to speak or whatever and you know uh, like I get a lot of one star reviews that's like oh uh you know the hyperbole or like she should take some of her own advice around um, purple prose, you know, because I put in tangents and asides and asterisks and all of this stuff. But I'm doing that 
intentionally so I know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and and like that somebody the other day oh my god I loved this somebody the other day gave me a one-star review and compared me to like um they were like oh if Deadpool was a professor and like went off on one and I'm like what that is the best compliment I have ever ever had so I put it all over social media because I was like this is an amazing review it was a one-star review but I was like I could not myself give myself any better of a compliment than to be compared to Deadpool as a teacher like I I would throw money at Deadpool to teach me um so yeah like but that can be that has taken time to like grow that thick skin um and to be resilient to that like I remember somebody left me a review once and compared my voice to um now, what is uh, her name? She was in Friends and a Chandler dated her and she was like, ah, like whatever Janice. that woman was. Janice, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> like they compared me to Janice and I was like, wow, that is, that's mean, that is mean. Um, yeah, so like stuff like that can block me. And then also this whole, like for a long time, people would put on me the mantle of being an expert and I was like I don't I don't know that I feel like I'm an expert and so that would I would create all of the psychological pressure around like what is an expert and like how like what deems one an expert and then I was just like you know what no I refuse that label I'm not I am I have never called myself an expert on anything all I have done is shared my knowledge and now I'm like actually I don't determine what an expert is other people determine that right that is somebody else's opinion and if they want to deem me an expert great but like for my own mental health and my own sanity I always talk about the fact that I am just sharing my knowledge and I'm sharing it in a way that lots of people find easy to consume and because it's easy to consume you can learn quick and I think that's why my books are as popular as they are I mean what I'm getting out of this episode so far is that you're extremely busy and writing craft books is hard, <laughs> doable, but I, I really like your method of doing things and how you really just, as you said, you don't claim to be an expert in anything because seriously, like what exactly is an expert? Like, no, there's always somebody that's better than you. So really like do experts technically exist? I don't know, but I really like how you do make it so simple and you make it easy to read. And I said this earlier in the episode that I really enjoy reading your writing craft books because they are so easy to read. And so it's easy to absorb the information. And then when I go back and I do my own writing, I actually remember some of the things that you said in your book that I'll do something and I'll be like, oh, no, wait, that that might not work. And I, you know, you usually I don't retain much information when I read writing craft books, but from yours, I do. So for me, you're doing something right. <laughs> well, and the, like, this is the thing. So if you're interested in writing craft, then the th- the advice that I would give you is to um, know your angle, right? Like anyone can write on a topic, but what is it that you're saying that's different? Or is it your voice and the way that you're saying it? something has to be different to the other books Um, and that can either be your your voice and your style and your tone or it can be the angle or the hook or the reason why you think that your process would work for other people so yeah like I I, you know I don't think I actually think writing non-fiction is easier than writing fiction personally (laughs) Um, but maybe I don't know yeah I I do but then I literally don't have a reason why I feel like that you know I just do (laughs) I think what gets me is even with a nonfiction book, you'll still get the same concept you have with a fiction book in the sense that 
some people will like what you write in fiction and some mm-hmm. people won't because mm-hmm. nobody's book is for everybody and it's exactly the same with nonfiction. But I think a lot of people come into it assuming that a nonfiction book is for everybody. And like you mentioned how some of those books were very academia, very dry. I know people who love that style because that's the, they have a very high logic level and they, they don't want anything excessive they just want these kind of very dry facts and and nothing more interesting no sort of flow and that's perfect for them and the rest of us are like no thanks and then obviously yourself how you write and other people where they've got more voice to it more personality inside the story so it's easier to inside the book I should say so it's easier to read and then obviously you will get people going like well I don't like that and it's almost as if they expect that all nonfiction books should be perfect for everyone. But I mean, think about it in the sense that people, there are people out there who pants and they do really well pantsing. And then there are people out there who plot like to the to the letter. And obviously, if you're a pantser and you're reading a plotting book and it's not working, it might be because you literally only just want to do pantsing and it's not going to be for you. But I have seen reviews where it's like, oh, this is rubbish. And it's like, yeah, but you're a pantser and that seems to be all you want to do. It's almost like you're going in just to prove that plotting doesn't really work. So I think I think it's interesting that people do leave one star reviews about your voice and the way you write as if they're supposed to be for everybody. Well, that, yeah. And the funny thing is, no one's ever complained about the content. It's only ever my voice that I get one star reviews for. Literally, that's it. Like, I, I don't think I have. I think I've had a couple of three star reviews where, you know, very advanced writers of like, well, I didn't learn anything new, but you know, um, fine. Some people are going to have a ton of knowledge and that's cool too. But I think the very vast majority of my one-star reviews have been about my voice, which is hard. That's hard. But also, fuck that. It's very personal as well. It's a very <laughs> personal job and it's 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 kind of mean and, and mean-spirited. It's like, is that really a necessity? Well, you may know? karma smite them. That's all I can say. <laughs> hard, very hard. Yes. With a big book. Yes. <laughs> fuck them. I love that. <laughs> I'm still laughing at that. Um yeah, I mean that that is hard because when you when you read a book and you write a review, it's like, yeah, you're looking at the content and especially for something that's nonfiction or a writing craft book, you're like, did I get anything out of this book? Did I learn anything? If you did, then that book helped you. So therefore there was something good about it so therefore it was good so the fact that people are nitpicking your voice it's like just just look at it as the fact that it was a really good book and it helped them and they needed something to complain about because for some reason oh, I get, they didn't I want get those it reviews to too yeah I get those <laughs> reviews too this book would have been great if it weren't for the swearing or this book was really good apart from the swearing and I'm like you know okay whatever like yeah. there are also a ton of like five-star reviews as well that's the other thing like I that is one of my proudest achievements is the fact that my non-fiction books even with like hundreds of reviews still have quite high averages which I'm like must be doing something right you are yeah that's amazing <laughs> it's just so subjective though it's like the thing with the swearing it's like it will upset some people because mm-hmm. some people are, are like that and obviously depending on what's what words you, you use will affect some people and other people will actually really enjoy that and think it's fun and, and, and easy to read and it's almost relatable especially if they're the sort of person that swears a lot so it's like yeah it's just it just means that book's not for you but the idea that they'll, they will rip you apart in a review rather than go no okay that book's not for me you know the content was great didn't like the swearing it's like well then just bugger off just go 
you know, you don't, why leave a review about something like that? I don't know. People just need to complain. It's human nature, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it. There, there's um, Sasha's process for how she writes her writing craft books and how she writes her nonfiction. I hope it helped you guys. It helped us. Um, if you haven't read any of Sasha's writing craft books or even her fiction, go do that. Um, and she'll tell you all about it. it. It was really great to have you on the show. So if you want to tell our listeners anything about yourself, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Awesome. Thank you. So you can uh, find me, find most of my stuff at sashablack.co.uk. And that's uh, Sasha with a C. So S-A-C-H-A black.co.uk. You can hear me on the Rebel Author Podcast. Um, and I am most active on Instagram. And my handle is at Sasha Black Author. And those three locations, you can pretty much find everything else via that. All of Sasha's links will be in the description below, along with her bio and links to her book. So as I said, if you haven't, you know, go give her a follow on all of her stuff. Give her some love. And um, yeah, thanks again for joining us on the podcast. It's been a huge delight to like actually meet you in person after all these years of talking. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. But now we will turn it over to you guys. Do you write writing craft books or do you read them at all? We'd love to chat about it. So tell us your answers in the comments below. And if you want some more of the Merry Writer podcast, then be sure to follow us on Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, for as little as $1 a month, you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Merry Writer podcast for bonus content. It really helps keep the show going, so we appreciate the support. But in the meantime, tune in every Wednesday for a new episode of the Merry Writer podcast where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Shiny Objects. We're easily distracted. The music, titled Inspired, is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.